I got the disease COVID-19. I didn't get the worst, uh, you know, down in the lungs thing. That's why you can say that I came out stronger. It's more and more difficult because there are so many sources yes. and they're so easily found, you know, everyone can go into the internet. I'm proud of my country, uh, I really am. Uh, I think it has to do with confidence yes. and trust. We have a lot of that in this society. I see some of my colleagues up in the broadcasting house now. Yes. They sit there in front of their, of, their, uh, yes. of their computers and they don't go out. Hi and welcome to Oslo Media House podcast. My name is Chaitra. I'm a multimedia journalist from India living in Oslo. I have been part of Oslo Media House since last summer and will be hosting this podcast every week. The guest for today's episode is Anita Groth, a Norwegian journalist Anita first worked at Agdar Posten, Often Posten, Dark's Rivian, and RK. She has served as a correspondent in London and in Washington, D.C., volunteered for Drop in the Sea organization on Greek Island, author of the books Noor Irland, Then Vans Klevayan, That Finnis Ikke Framet, Bare Venerdu Ikke Harmot, Historia Fraden Irsk, Oya, and Vanum. Let us welcome the voice of London, Anita Groth. Thank you so much for joining us, Aneta. Thank you for inviting me. Could you tell us, our listeners how you're part of Oslo Media House? Well, as people probably understand from the introduction, uh, introduction, I've been working as a journalist all my life, most of the time in the Norwegian broadcasting. And I was there and I thought I was getting near to retirement age and I thought there are things that I want to do. And the work I have in the broadcasting now is not that exciting. I felt a bit like I'd done everything before. I was 10 years in London. I was in the United States. I've been hosted for a news program. I'd done so much. So I thought, okay, I'll jump off. And they gave me uh, a nice package, you know, <laughs> a year's wage. Uh, so I said, I'll, I'll drop it now. And then I knew... Yes. The people who were running uh, Oslo Media House, it was perfect for me to have somewhere to go. Yes. So um, I joined here. You found a, a workplace back in your home country. Yes, yes. And, uh, and I'm now working as a freelance yes. journalist mm -hmm. and uh, doing loads of things and deciding uh, myself. And yes. uh, it's good to have somewhere to go and work. Well, I have an office at home, but if I sit at home, I just start tidying up and washing and things. That's become our routine now. Yeah. <laughs> so you have suffered corona and came out stronger. Could you tell us about it? Yeah, well, I got the disease COVID-19. Yes. Um, I'm not quite sure where I got it from, but I did get it. I didn't get the worst, uh, you know, down in the lungs yeah. thing. That's why you can say that I came out stronger because, well, it was hard for a week, you know, yeah. with muscle pains and all that. But then isolation, four weeks, and I came out and I thought, 
Yes, this has been hard, but this has also taught me a lot of things. Yes. Among other things, being yes. isolated in your own company. I, I live on my own yes. for four weeks. That's a tall order. As a journalist who has studied about countries and its people closely for many years, what are your thoughts on Norway's citizens' reaction and way of coping with such crisis? I'm proud of my country. Yes. Uh, I really am. Uh, I think it has to do with confidence yes. and trust. We have a lot of that in this society, and we're not a very big nation. We're 5.3 million people, and we're quite rich as well because of yes. the oil. But the confidence and the trust, I think, is very important. And also the way the government and the health authorities have worked together and how the people have listened to them. So I must say, and also... I mean, you can see the results. Yeah. The, 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 it's um, it's the going down planted. here. Yes, I'm proud of my country, and I think it's been uh, uh, handled very well. I, I mean, I lived in England for 10 years, mm -hmm. and I have friends there. Went the other way, you know. They didn't take it really seriously, and then suddenly lockdown, and uh, yes. people can't go out, you yes. know, as they have it now. So it's you sort of the opposite way. Uh, I think our way has been much better. We've been following the rules, so the, the curve has been flattening, and I see people are out now when the sun is shining. So I think, yeah, we, we are doing great comparatively. And I can tell you, after weeks of isolation, being out and the sun is shining <laughs> yes. is more than it was before. I <laughs> love this spring. So COVID-19 is keeping millions of people across the globe homebound. The media is streaming with tons of information, which is too much to swallow. Is everything advisable? Any comment on it? Well, in the beginning, I saw everything on television. My old company, NRK, Norwegian Broadcasting Corporation, they, you know, they were broadcasting all day, and I watched it all the time. And then I got sick myself, and then I watched even more because I couldn't go out. But also about the news, you know... Can we fight this? Is there a vaccine? How long do you have to be isolated for? How can you get tested? All these yes. things that I was curious about. Uh, and now I must say I, um, I'd rather watch something else. I do. I mean, I'm a news mm -hmm. junkie, so I listen to the news yes. several times a day, but yeah. uh, not all the time as I used to do. Yes. It's a bit of an information overload, yes. I think, at the moment. And somewhere we have to filter it out. So what is your opinion on the current state of media industry? Are they losing credibility and how to read information? Um, do you mean in, in connection with the COVID-19? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think uh, what I've seen mm -hmm. that the media industry has yes. done is quite good, you know? Yes. I think they've, they've been working hard to get as much information as, as possible. But some of it is conflicting and it's difficult to sort of filter out what is the important thing. Mm -hmm. And I really have followed, uh, followed it closely only yes. here. Um, you know, I watch CNN mm -hmm. sometimes, but what can you say about Donald Trump? And, <laughs> The people there, the press people trying to get some real information. It's yes. it's a very mixed picture, you know, from country to country. You have other countries um, who almost deny that there is any coronavirus in their countries. So 
if you look at the media industry as a whole worldwide, as a whole worldwide, yes. it's a bit uh, difficult to, yes. to draw one conclusion, you know. Uh, could you please share your thoughts as a journalist, as a correspondent, on how media has evolved in your 40 years of experience? Yeah, I think I have to uh, tell you a bit about my background as well, you know. Yes. I've, been, I've been working in broadcasting for most of my time. And here in the, in the Norwegian Broadcasting, among other things, I built a new radio program from scratch, scratch which was fantastic. And we yes. could do whatever we wanted. And then I've been a, a correspondent uh, first for 10 years in, mm -hmm. uh, in, um, on the British Isles, and then in the United States as well for three years. The media industry is, um, I mean, I've been working for uh, a public service broadcasting, you know, no ads or anything yes. like that, which is, um, which I like. Um, and I think, I think we've become better and better, really. Uh, but it's more and more difficult because yes. there are so many sources yes. and they're so easily found. You know, everyone can go into the internet and found it. Exactly. S such a difference from when I started and you had to go out and talk to people all the time. That's a bit sad, I think, because I see some of my colleagues up in the broadcasting house now. They sit there in front of their, of their, uh, yes. of their computers exactly. and they don't go out to talk to people. So that is one big difference. Mm. And then you have all the technical things that we didn't know. I mean, I was working with a cameraman mm. and, and you always had someone with you. You know, you didn't do everything yourself, yes. uh, which is a big thing. Um, but I think maybe, you know, young journalists, they should get out more. The people who, yeah. who work for television, they get out. Mm -hmm. And yes. radio as well. But some of the, uh, the other journalists, they don't get out to talk to people. And um, I think that's sad. And they're just like locked up and whatever the information they get and they, they well, believe that. Yeah, well, they get information and they yes. put it together. And uh, I mean, I don't mean it's wrong what they're writing. Mm -hmm. I just... They, they lose a dimension that you have when you go out and talk to people. Hi, here are some messages from our sponsors and advertisers. This podcast is produced by UBM Broadcast for Oslo Media House. If you need help to launch your podcast, vodcast, streaming of live events, debates or seminars, UBM Broadcast can help you from A to Z in our online studio as well as in our physical studio. Exhausted by working from home? Become a member of the new Oslo Media Club. Get access to our launch and workspace in central Oslo, secure and according to the standards set by the health authorities. If you want more information from our sponsors and advertisers, contact me on my email a-l-e-x-e-y at o-b-m dot n-o. Have a good day! Could you tell us about your book, Vano? Yeah, well, I told you I was uh, for nearly 10 years in, yeah. uh, in London yes. uh, covering the uh, British Isles. I've always been very interested in, in uh, Britain and Ireland, and mm -hmm. I've been covering it since, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, for a long time, since the 80s. So Vano means, simply enough, 
What Now? And it has a subtitle, My Journey in uh, Great Britain in a Brexit Time. And the thing was that um, in uh, 2016, 23rd of June, when you had this uh, referendum uh, about EU and yeah. Great Britain, I was there commenting. And I was standing there on a terrace above the Thames and... Uh, we thought, you know, I was commenting for Norwegian TV, and yeah. we thought, yeah, it's going to be a yes to the EU, but uh, it's going to be narrow. That's yes. what we thought that evening. I went to sleep for three hours because we were getting up again okay. to comment in the morning. And when I woke up, it was yeah. Brexit. And then yes. I thought, I have to, what happened? I have to find out. Uh, so I decided to go on a journey. <laughs> you know, I like going out talking to people. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to Wales, mm -hmm. to Northern Ireland, to England and to Scotland and talked to all kinds of people about uh, what they had voted, yes. what was important mm -hmm. for them with being out of, it, of the EU or other people who were very upset that yes. they were going out of the yes. EU. So all sorts of opinions from all sorts of people. And that is uh, the book. Well, no, what now? Whether, uh, like, um, to see, is it like younger generation not, were not supporting and the older generation were supporting the Brexit? Yeah, in a way, uh, well, young people, for instance, in the cities, mm -hmm. they were, they didn't want to leave the EU. Yeah. The big majority of them, especially young people in London, they, mm -hmm. you know, and the students and all, they'd been working yes. uh, together with students from other European countries and... They couldn't understand why we should leave. Yes. Why, if you went, for instance, to the countryside in Wales, which yes. I did, talk to all the people there, and um, they they were just like, we want to decide ourselves. We think this is our country. We don't want them here. And um, I also found out that there were a lot of people who were uh, discontent, you know, with... They didn't really know what, but uh, they were discontent. For instance, in Wales, in these rural areas yes. where you had uh, the, the old mines, mining, mining industry that had gone with mm -hmm. Margaret Thatcher. They were just sad that, you know, there was so much unemployment. They couldn't get jobs. Yeah. They had been proud and now it's, uh, it had all gone. Yeah. And so they said, OK, um, here we have an opportunity to vote for something. And they voted. And... They voted against the government yes. because they were angry. Okay. So it was a lot of different things. But um, you have Scot uh, Scotland where they're very sceptical to London and the British yeah. government. Yes. So they won't, voted to stay in the EU, 62% mm -hmm. of them. Oh, wow. mm -hmm. And in Northern Ireland as well, they, they voted to stay. Mm -hmm. But England and Wales, they voted no. Yes. They, we don't want to be in the EU. So... It was very different opinions, but very exciting, I must yeah. say, to go there. But the strange thing is now, talking about the COVID-19, everyone talked about Brexit mm -hmm. all the time. Even here in Norway, I've been traveling yep. around speaking about Brexit. Now yes. it's... It's, no. it's dead. No. So what's going to happen? <laughs> we just I talk about one common enemy who is not visible anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, moving on, uh, what is your vision for the next year? 
how will pandemic manage to change our society with its restrictions and impact on the economy? Well, the economy is, you know, suffering badly. Uh, I'm not an economist, and it's it's difficult for me to predict how it's going to go. I, the only thing I know is it's going to be bad. Yes. Even here in this rich uh, country, it will be bad. And then uh, worldwide, it's. Um, I think it's very, very difficult to yes. predict apart from that it will be a big setback. How yes. big it will be is the really big question. And we, we don't know yet that yet. We've just started. And then how society is going to change. It has changed a lot. We're sitting here now with at least two meters. <laughs> and you have, uh, you know, this uh, antibac on your hands and and uh, plastic bags on the microphones yes. and all this. Um, some countries have started losing up, uh, but still, I think for the whole of this year, we will still wash our hands, we will not give each other a hug, we will be moving with, uh, with a lot of distance, yes. and uh, how long it will go on? I don't know, it, it depends on, I mean, in this country, it's now going quite well, but yes. there are other countries, like Britain, uh, people in London are dying, like, you mm. know. Um, so how long it will take? No, I don't know, but uh, I'm quite sure that for a long time, we will have different rules for how we behave yes. together. At least I hope we are, very, we are compassionate to each other. So do I. Yes, <laughs> and be <laughs> kind to a, all. That was a good yes. thing when I was isolated. You know, I had f friends, family and neighbors coming. Uh, you know, they were buying food for me. One neighbor, it was a cold night, and she came up with uh, some logs for the fire. And yes. um, so I, I experienced a lot of very good things. Yes. They just, you know, they rang my doorbell and ran. <laughs> but he was... Yes. Still, they did so many things, and it was so good to know that you had people around you yes. like that. So, uh, and I think many other people than me have experienced uh, mm. quite a lot of that. Humanity. <laughs> yep, and compassion. Against yes. It would be interesting to hear, as we have not suffered such crisis after World War II, and since you have been reporting about crisis in other parts of the world, how is this little, rich, stable Norway holding up in solidarity? I think we're holding up well, but as you said, this is a crisis that yes. I haven't experienced. I mean, I, I covered the tsunami in Asia, I, uh, Katrina in New Orleans, you know, uh, war, yes. uh, Gulf War and uh, the conflict in Northern Ireland. But this is something different, very different. But um, if I should talk about my country in this, how we're holding up, I think we're holding up very well. I must say, I'm proud of my country. Before we end this podcast, would you like to share a memory connected to Oslo Media House? Um, I, I learned how to uh, use the mobile phone as a camera and an editing uh, tool yeah. from... Ivo Burum, Ivo Burum yeah, yes. <laughs> who is an Australian who's been um, uh, connected to this house, yeah. uh, which was, I was not very good at it, but mm -hmm. it was great fun. But I must say what 
what is the most important thing is all the spontaneous situation. There's loads of interesting people here with many backgrounds and meeting them and talking to them has been, that is the most important thing for me. And it's been a pleasure talking to you, Anatta, and good luck. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your thoughts and experiences. Well, that's all for today's episode, and thank you for listening to us. Please join us again the next week and leave us in a comment below. Who would you like to have as a guest on our next episode? Thank you again, and this is Chaitra signing off.